Welcome to the Sleep Talking series, where we have honest conversations with parents and professionals about their babies and children's sleep. Sleep is such a hugely important part of our lives for our health, little ones' development, and our all-round well-being and happiness. When babies come along, our sleep is temporarily disrupted, but too many people let this deprivation continue on for many months or years, when in fact it could be much better, much sooner. Let's hear from those who know. Here we go with this episode of Sleep Talking. So today I'm really excited to be talking with the lovely Susie Redding. Susie and I met a year or so ago um, at an event and just clicked. And she is an amazing mother of two. She's a chartered psychologist, yoga teacher, a health coach. She specializes in well-being and that's of the head, the heart and the body, helping people manage their emotions, energetic bank balance and the inevitable stresses of life. She's also an author and her book, Stand Tall Like a Mountain, focuses on mindfulness and self-care for anxious children and worried parents. I think, Susie, it's absolutely perfect timing to have you on the podcast during the strange time we've been going through this year. Um, Welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Lucy. I I hope, yeah, I hope we can, we can get into some soothing tips and tools that will make a difference because I think we're all feeling it, aren't we, for different reasons? Mm, Definitely, definitely. All different reasons, all different, everybody has a different way of life or situation that they're in and I don't think it's easy for anybody really, is it? No, I think that's spot on. There there might be different variables but I I think everyone's finding it equally challenging. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, how have you been finding things, Susie? Have you found it as a mum as well? Have you, has everything been okay in the sleep department? It's been what I would call a sensational squeeze. <laughs> yes. Very, very real juggle. Um, living in close quarters has its own challenges. Juggling work commitments, um, home learning, um, the very real worry about there being, you know, a risk to our health out there. You know, this is not mm. just, this is no small thing. Um, and the uncertainty, you know, not knowing how long it's going to take for things to resume some level of normal functioning. That's hard. And it's hard to communicate these things in a way to our kids that keeps them in the loop, but doesn't worry them. Um, big emotions, really big emotions. So I would say I'm, I'm doing okay. And I am drawing on every single tip and tool in my toolkit right now. (laughs) Excellent. And what a great toolkit to have. (laughs) I I have spent a good decade um, fine tuning this toolkit and, um, Mm. you know, it's no one's, no one's infallible. You know, it's still, it's still challenging, but um, I do know that it works. You know, this is the stuff that helps me bounce back quicker. It's the thing Mm. that helps me recover in the moment. Um, So I'm looking forward to sharing it. Amazing. Yeah, because I think none of us are, um, none of us are immune, are we, from these stresses that life throws at us. And you can be the most well-prepared, great mindset, um, very well-self-developed person. Um, but things will still, we're human, aren't we? And things will still trip us up. And even yourself with your phenomenal toolkit right there at your disposal, you, like you said, you 
sort of draw upon it at times. And I think that's actually really reassuring to know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I, I really, I want people to know that everyone is finding it difficult. You know, no one mm. is, no one is sailing through this. No one's, no one's got it licked. And yeah. um, I still find it hard, but this mm. stuff does help me cope. I know yeah. it's making a difference. And there are mm. things that we can do. And the last thing that I would want anyone to feel is like this is another thing we have to do or, you know, like they're failing at taking care of themselves. That is That, that couldn't be furthest from the truth. But um, I'm really passionate about sharing really simple, accessible things that um, just help us weather these experiences. Mm. And they do. I mean, it, every time I read a post of yours, there's a, like a little level of, ah, that comes over me. <laughs> and um, I find it so calming. And, and I think, yeah, you do amazing work in that way. And um, my regular walks, actually, my little mummy's having half an hour to herself and going for a, a walk by myself it has just been the best therapy. <laughs> That's how I start my day too. Mm. During the week, I, I head out through, I call it a plod because I don't think yeah. I can call myself a runner. But I, no. I basically I go through a, a jog until I feel like I don't want to do it anymore and then I walk to recovery yeah. and then I do mm. a little bit more jogging and, and that's just 20 minutes of headspace. And then I sort of feel yeah. like I've had a bit of solitude, I've had some nature therapy and then yeah. I can just crack on with my day. And it's, I think it's really important for us to have mm. that headspace so that we can cope with all of the stimulation and, and the constant food preparation and all the rest of it throughout the whole course of our day. It's constant, isn't it? And I think if you can't get out, and I think, you know, there's probably many single parents that are at home with children and they can't just leave them and go off like, so um, like I know I get to do. And it is really tough, but actually to not feel guilty about, do you know what, let them have a half an hour of a TV show and just go and sit somewhere by yourself and like you said, have that headspace. Um, yeah. There are ways you can make it happen, even if you don't have the luxury of getting out, you know, going around the block. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so, so important. I think that's a really good point. It's, it's okay for our kids to get bored. It's all right. Mm. We don't have to be engaging and stimulating them every minute of every day. It's all right for them to be, you know, this is the stuff that stimulates creativity and resourcefulness. Mm. So it's all right for, the, for, for them to have to find something. Of course, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't happen, if that doesn't give you your window, I find myself kind of setting my kids up with things that I know that they'll be really excited about doing. And then I will go and do legs up the wall for five minutes. You know, if I'm feeling yeah. really frazzled and full up, like you say, there are ways of making this accessible. We've just mm. got to be creative. And I, I think that's one of the toughest things about um, difficult life experiences that's, that's when we, we need these ideas spelt out to us because it's so hard to think of them, right? Mm, so mm. I hope that we can, we can generate lots of different inspiring, fresh ways to keep people energised and, and calm in ways that don't take time or energy. Mm, definitely, definitely. And, and you're right, getting kids to be creative as well, because I think when they're normally in their you know, school routine and weekends, it's, it, there's a lot less time that they are at home um, yeah. looking for things to do. And it's been an immense amount of time and children are different. I have one that 
never fails to find something to do. She's quite, you know, she'll always find something to do, play with something, imaginative play, it's easy. Whereas my son is, and maybe it's a boy thing, I don't know, but just, it's just not quite the same way. And so I actually made him write a list of 10 things he could do that were not on a screen, <laughs> just so that he could have a go-to if he wasn't sure, like go and look at the list, pick one of those. Um, because, and it, for him, it wasn't so easy to come up with that list. Um, but it was a worthwhile exercise. <laughs> I love that, Lucy. The, the thing is, if, if your children find it hard to come up with this stuff on their own, that's fine. We can, we can co-create it where mm. we sit down. And this is something that I often do at the beginning of, of holidays. I use the vitality wheel, my framework of self-care, as a, as a source of inspiration. And we, sort mm. of, we make a mind map. So that vitality wheel, it's, it's, it's basically things that we, we already know that we need to be doing to nourish our health. It's things like what we're eating, how we're hydrating ourselves, movement, time in nature, social connection, mood boosting activities and, and things like that. You can make a mind map with your kids where exactly mm. as you say, it, it can be a poster that's up on the wall where you, you map out all of the things that they enjoy doing so that when they get bored, instead of having to try and, you know, scan through their brains and come up with it, they can go and look at the poster and say, mm. oh, I haven't done that thing for a while. Right. I really fancy that. And off they mm. go. Yeah. It's really empowering, isn't it? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with um, the homeschooling age where they're spending more time than ever on screens, connecting with their classmates and teachers. It's so nice to have things that are off screen to do. Yeah, it's, it's about variety, isn't it? And it's mm. so important that we don't demonise technology because in this time of isolation, it's, it's been so vital in it keeping us vital. connected. Mm. But it's, it's observing the, the, the effects that screen time have on us and our kids, on, mm. our, you know, on our sleep, on mm. our um, ability to stay calm, um, and finding that balance and making sure that there's a lot of variety in our downtime. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's no, there's no denying you're absolutely right. I love technology and I think it's the way of the future, not just during this time, but going forward, we are going to socialize online for yeah. probably the rest of our lives. Um, it's not going away, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's balance and variety and it not being just that all the time, constantly. <laughs> and I think it's harder for children to manage that. Um, and the effects it can have on their, their developing brains can be different. Um, they're, they're less capable of managing it than us, I think. But yeah, getting that variety is so, so key. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's, if it's hard for adults to regulate their behaviour when it comes to... Mm screen time you know kids really can't do it we need to be setting those boundaries with them and explaining mm. to them why and giving alternatives it's you know it, it's a challenge for all of us <laughs> mm. Mm. so i've seen um a few things come up during this time um which i thought would be really interesting to get your take on one of them being children of that sort of age where they are aware of what's happening um, sorry an added level of anxiety that that can put upon them whether it's something they heard somebody say or if they did catch something on the news um but particularly at bedtime these things seem to come out and children want to talk about them and um, what, what can parents do to help calm an anxious child mm -hmm. i think if we can almost expect 
that time and factor it in. I think there's mm. nothing more frustrating when you think to yourself, oh, I've made it to bedtime and, you know, likely they'll be in bed at this time and I'll be able to relax then. You get them in bed. You've done all of the pre-bedtime rituals and then they want to talk. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. my goodness, it's really it's hard, <laughs> isn't it, right? Yeah. But if we can factor that in and expect it to happen, I think it helps, mm. it helps us cope. Um, mm. I think having a whole sequence of soothing activities before bed where it might promote the likelihood of those conversations happening before lights out is helpful. Mm. So, and I think our, ch our children really do thrive on certainty. So in our household, it's after dinner, we have bedtime, sorry, we have bath time. We have some gentle massage techniques or stretches after the bath that just mm -hmm. helps soothe away any stress and tension. Then mm -hmm. we read and then that it's likely that we'll have conversation and then it's lights out. But mm -hmm. I think the, the soothing practices kind of pave the way for those conversations to be more open and honest and we're all in, in the right headspace for it. Yeah. Um, how to actually navigate those conversations. Um, I find that it's, most of the conversations hinge upon my kids being worried about getting to sleep and it's kind of mm -hmm. trying to remove any anxiety about being awake. So mm. what we're trying to do is reinforce that it's okay if you're just resting, you can mm. just relax and your body is actually getting the benefit of that relaxation. It's not just sleep. That's yeah. restorative. I'm finding that that helps and then empowering mm. my kids with things that they can do until sleep comes. So the mantra in my household is just rest, sleep will come, but it's really hard mm. to rest, right? For even mm. adults, it's hard. This is, um, it's a skill that we need to learn. So it's giving our kids things that they can do in their bed that are age appropriate, mm. of course, that just allow them to make peace with being awake until sleep comes. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think for any of us, that, that feeling of must go to sleep now is the yeah. first thing that's going to stop you from falling asleep. <laughs> um, yes. Absolutely. And I know when my daughter said to me before, you know, I, I'm trying to go to sleep. I can't. And I said, don't try. Don't try. It's okay. Yes. You don't need to. Like you say, just relax. It's out, of, the, it's out of their control. So I think mm. we need to tell our kids, don't worry, this is not something that you can do anything about. It's out of your mm. control. You can't make yourself sleep, but you can encourage your minds and your body to relax. Mm. We can teach them these things. So if, mm. if, there's, if it's unlikely that if I leave the room and just, you know, hope my daughter will get there on her own, then we'll do something else. Like maybe it'll be a journaling activity. Maybe it will be some mindful colouring just to kind of, distract or it might be mm. some yoga soothing yoga and if any parent is doing yoga with their children before bed this is really important to know please don't do anything standing up it's too stimulating you want all of the poses to be down on the floor very quieting very calming so all fours seated stretches lying down stuff and i find oh. that that just kind of it's it's such a powerful way to disentangle our minds from busyness, obviously mm. physically relaxing, but it's, it's a mindfulness tool. You are building your mindfulness muscle together with these practices and mm. just developing the ability to sit with emotions, 
to mm. give voice to them. So I think often kids don't know how to express in words, but they can say, I have this feeling or I'm mm. feeling this in my chest or I'm feeling this thing in my tummy. And this mm. is a way of, of expressing and moving through feelings in a way that's really accessible for little ones. Mm. Mm. And some, some of the really little ones, so, you know, the ages where even babies, where they aren't going to be particularly aware of what's going on, they'll know things maybe are different, but they're picking up on that passive stress, that vibe, that tension that they can feel from their, their parents and caregivers. You know, there's yeah. probably not a parent in the country or in the world that hasn't had some increase in the level of tension in their body um, over the past 10 weeks, whether it be big or small, there's going to be some shift. And it, like I said, even babies, they pick up on that. Um, and we've noticed a huge increase in your parents looking to, to, to have our help in the sleep department. And a lot of it has come from that passive stress, that, that increased tension. Um, mm. Have you seen similar things happening as well? Absolutely. I, I, I don't know anyone that hasn't had their stress levels raised by mm. this experience. I think it's, we have to allow ourselves to have a normal human response to it. This is tough. Mm. Um, at the same time though, yeah, it is acknowledging that this has an effect on our kids, but without giving ourselves grief about it, but let's yeah. look at what we can do to help soothe ourselves in the moment. And I think working with the breath is probably the most powerful accessible way and just, yeah. you know, nothing fancy is required. You don't have to do any elaborate breathing techniques. Just feel the sensations of your breathing. Just mm. see how, you, how much you can smooth it out because it is literally impossible to be stressed at the same time as breathing well. Mm. And the more we can pay attention to just relaxing our breathing, the healthier our nervous system will be. So the practice that I'm turning to at the moment, this is a really simple practice, is trying to make my in-breath about five seconds long and my out-breath also five seconds long. So it's an even in-breath, even out-breath. Mm. And, and I do that at regular intervals through my day and I'm noticing that when I do have moments of, of heightened anxiety or, or stress, I'm, I'm better able to recognise that I'm feeling stimulated or that stress response is starting to kick in and I'm far mm. better able to uh, regulate and, and calm myself down. And the other thing I've noticed is it's having a big impact on the quality of my sleep. So I've only been mm. working on this particular technique for a few days, mm. but there's been a significant change in the quality of my sleep in each night since. Amazing. That's quick. I'm just in a few days to, to have that knock on effect already. Yeah. And, and it's such a simple the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I find any time just breathing, or we forget to breathe sometimes, don't we? I catch myself thinking, God, am I actually even breathing? Come on. Um, but breathing, it's the, it's the oxygen, isn't it, that we then, that, that we send to our brain. Um, I don't know, this is your forte. But isn't, that's a part of it, isn't it? That calming effect. It is a part of it. The, 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 the fundamental effect that it's having is on the nervous system. So it's a dual feedback loop between the way you breathe and, and the functioning of your nervous system. They both affect each other. So when, mm. if, you are in a, if you are feeling threatened, your breath becomes short and sharp and the stress response kicks in. 
This is the sympathetic mm. nervous system where um, is in is engaged, where blood flow is diverted away from the prefrontal cortex, and it's it's sent to to your limbs in preparation for fight for fight or, or flee. Yeah, that's mm. the stress response. Mm. When you breathe, if even if in the absence of any threats, if you shorten your breath. Yeah, if your breath gets tight and held, it will trigger the stress response. Yeah. Right. Now, conversely, mm. when you smooth and elongate your breathing, in particular, when you make your exhalation longer than your in-breath, it stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, the opposing branch of your nervous system, which is the rest and digest portion of your nervous system. Okay. And that is the stuff that keeps your prefrontal cortex online, which enables mm. you to think straight, to empathise with people. It keeps you calm. Keeps you calm, so yeah. It's, it's your breath that it literally flicks the switch between mm. the stress response and the, the rest and digest calm, empathetic mm. mode. There we go. That's the science behind the take a deep breath <laughs> before before responding to things. I mean, I do. I teach um I teach my children about the whole um, you know, the the limbic brain is your chimp and your prefrontal cortex is your is you. That's your real. You know, that's your human brain. But the limbic brain responds faster and responds emotionally. So if you just breathe, it gives your prefrontal cortex a chance to catch up and to respond more you know intelligently really and and from a place of thought rather than a place of emotion that's um, that's the thing that allows us to be measured and mm. for us parents to to be able to take action in service of our values mm. you know to be the kind of parents that we aspire to be your mm. breath facilitates that that's that's how strong this connection is mm. Yeah. And I think when we've been in this situation where we've, some of us, I know myself at times where you're literally juggling, well, we, I think we're always juggling a lot, but more than ever running from different rooms to see to different children who are on different live classes with their teachers to preparing meals and running a business at the same time and feeling like you're putting out fires everywhere. It's hard to breathe even sometimes in that situation. And I think that's been, I know, I know I'm not the only person that's been in that place a few times um, in recent months. You're in excellent company, Lucy, <laughs> myself <laughs> included. You know, I'm yeah. a yoga teacher and a psychologist. I understand the fundamental relationship between mental health and quality of breathing. And I still find mm. myself, oh, my goodness, when was the last time I took a deep breath? Yeah, this is, yeah. This is a function of being human. So I think it's yeah. really important that we cut ourselves some slack. And I think in addition to calm, smooth, relaxed breathing, we need a huge dollop of self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm, you know, I now need reminding that sometimes because I'm worse for, you know, telling myself off for things. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do, I'll say exactly what you're saying right now to other people, but I'm not so good at doing it myself um, because I'm always striving t t for greatness. And, <laughs> you know, um, if I haven't hit those targets, I think, oh gosh, I really sucked as a parent today, or I really did not do well at this. Um, but yeah, it's knowing that, that you're doing the very best you can. And I think when you are somebody that observes when you have dropped the ball, or maybe you could have done something better, that's all you need to do is go, okay, well, great that I see that I could do that better. 
and let's move on. <laughs> it's an opportunity to learn and grow. That's, I yeah. think it's really important that we look at it like that and understand that we're all, you know, we're all fallible human beings. No one gets it right all the time. I think this yeah. is, that's one of the interesting things out of this period is kind of, I've had to reframe what success means. You mm. know, I, I can't achieve the same things in volume or in quality as I could before. It's just not humanly possible. I don't have the time and the space to do it. And yeah. it's also made me realise that productivity is not the sole source of success. If, if I can take some time out, my kids are happily engaged in what they're doing. If I can just give myself five minutes to top up my energy bank with some kind of restorative practice, that mm. rest, is actually the most productive thing I could have done with that time because that then sustains me through the rest of my day. So mm. even, you know, like I'm saying, as a psychologist and yoga teacher and health coach who I really, I adore sleep and I adore rest and relaxation, it's still, this chapter has still made me more truly appreciate how important it is to have time to nourish ourselves and that includes lying still and doing nothing. Mm. <laughs> Mm, definitely I think you know I'm sure everybody has had some form of re-evaluation <laughs> and um you know a little bit of a question over what what we were doing or how we were living our lives prior to this and ways that we can tweak them and improve them on the other side and, and I think you know adjustments to how you work how you parent how you use your time like you said productivity isn't everything but also isn't it amazing how much you can get done in less time when that's the time you have and like you said you prepare and take care of yourself in order to do that and you know I thought well actually I could probably work half the hours I work but spend more time looking after my mind and my body and my state and then I'll be more productive in less time I mean it's yeah it's fascinating really fascinating. That is indeed I, I hope that um that is that's something that we take with us this greater awareness of just how important it is to nourish our health. Mm. And I hope that some of those barriers to self-care are dropping away that, you know, before we may have seen self-care as just some luxurious, you know, indulgent act. I think now we appreciate that this is what we need to be able to function as human mm. beings. We've got to do this mm. stuff, you know, just like it's, it's okay to eat. It's also okay to nourish your mental health. And that yeah. includes getting the sleep that you need and having time to decompress and unwind and express and move through your emotions. So, mm. so important. I think that's absolutely beautifully put and it is so important and it's crazy how we put these sort of things that like you said on the luxury, non-essential back burner, but it's, it, it's absolutely at the forefront. Get those sorts of things right. Everything else just comes together, I think. And yeah, our well-being is the, it's a bit cliche but you know your body really literally is your temple and without looking after you all those other things around you be it your family your business your everything it stems from you being in a great place absolutely and, and this is why I love talking to you and love reading your posts and the things that you share they're just like a, a daily lift <laughs> And I think everybody should tune in and check you out, Susie. Like anyone listening to this, if they want to um, see and hear more from you, best place to, to look at you? <laughs> Come and hang out with me and my beautiful wellbeing community at Instagram. And that's where I'm sharing 
all of the, the little nourishing practices, the things that you can do in you know, 60 seconds or the things that you can do with your kids um, in little Instagram videos. So I, I hope that, um, that that gives people lots of fresh new ideas on how they can keep themselves anchored in calm. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, check out Susie. It's at, it's at Susie Redding, isn't it? That's right. Yep, at Susie Redding over on Instagram. Um, we will put a link in on here as well um, for anybody to go and have a look. And Susie, it's been, as always, an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your lovely, calm wisdom with me today and our lovely audience. Um, it's been lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Lucy. It's such a pleasure. And I, I hope that... Um, oh, I hope everyone feels a nice sense of a warm hug. You know, we really are yes. in this together and um, just take good care of you because that's the thing that enables us to be a calm and safe place for the people that we love. Absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant parting words. Love it. Thank you, Susie. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We hope you found it insightful and we invite you to connect with us via our website, thesleepnanny.com. Join us for more tips on the Sleep Nanny podcast and look out for another episode of Sleep Talking.